0: Welcome to the God in My Closet podcast, where we explore life and light of the love who embraces all of our skeletons. I'm your host, Ben DeLong, author of There's a God in My Closet. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, hey, everyone. This is uh, part two of my conversation with Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. Um, We're going to continue discussing the dynamics of internalized shame and trauma in our lives and our spirituality and relationships. Um, In the first part of the conversation, we talked a lot about sort of diagnosing that, like what that looks like in our lives. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in this part, but then we'll also get into what it looks like to heal and move forward. Um, if you didn't listen to the first part, I would definitely recommend going back and listening to that. It will give you context for what we what we talk about in this part. with that said, uh here is part two of my conversation with dr paul fitzgerald now
1: yeah, those those three rules don't talk don't feel don't trust those three rules perfectly design an a, a block to intimacy
0: oh yeah i I want to go back to the the uh, that second that second core rule of of that you can't feel certain things because I um, I think about because I'm wondering what what's a healthy way to work through that because I I know from my own experience that a lot of my a lot of my shame um, came from interactions with my dad that sometimes maybe um maybe they were just a lot of times they were just kind of ho hum interactions, but I I took something away from that. And oh. um and so now and so I held on to this for a long time and then but as I got older and I started to become more self aware and find healing, I I can touch that in myself and then I can see I can see, oh I misinterpreted that he didn't do this because he didn't love me or because he was rejecting me. He did it because, you know, he had his stress and he didn't know how to handle it because his parents didn't know how to handle it. Like what, right. what's a healthy way to work through that? Um, where you, you can talk about, you know, your feelings are legitimate, but let's talk about what also what's actually going on. Well,
1: it's a, it, it's, a, it's as a process to be able to do that. Um, uh, we have a sign we still use in the seminar that was there when you went through. Um, you cannot change or heal what you don't acknowledge.
0: Right, yeah. You,
1: you have to be able to acknowledge the reality of what was going on. Yeah. Um, some, of, some of us have minimized victimization, minimized situations, um, and particularly with parents. Um, my parents were... Poorly educated, maybe third or fourth grade education, hardworking people, not a lot of relationship skills. Yeah. And, and I had I to come to a distinction between the mother and father I knew they would have been if they knew how to be. Yeah. And the mother and father I really experienced. Right. Because if I have to lie about my experience in order to honor them, then I wind up not honoring them or me.
0: Right, yeah.
1: I think it's also a, a, an awareness that we often, we often put expectations on parents that we would never want our children to put on us.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like somehow they should have known better. They should have been better. They should have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they all, they all come wounded. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a, as an uh, adult, we began, we can begin to let go of those shoulds and expectations and realize they came with baggage. Yeah. And we had no idea. As children, we needed them to know what they were doing. Yeah. Because without them knowing know what they're doing, we're really in trouble. Yeah. But that's a, that's a childish expectation rather than a, an adult expectation. Yeah. I, th- I think too, Ben, um, uh, something that, um, I'm working with these days. It's a different, little different approach than, uh, than I was using back when you came through. I actually just started using it. Um, the, the language we use about feelings often comes shaped in the form of uh, I am blank. Mm. I am angry. I am hurt. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. Mm. When we say that with that sentence structure, We're implying that that feeling is me, yeah. And it's as as big as me, or maybe bigger. Yeah. And a language shift that I'm encouraging people to consider, because when it's bigger than me, I I feel engulfed in it. Yeah. A language shift that doesn't deny the feeling is sounds something like this. I'm sensing something in me feels angry. Oh, yeah. I'm sensing something in me feels hurt or sad or confused.
0: Mm. That's good.
1: So it's a shift from being engulfed by it to being with it. Mm. And being with it, I can be with it with some compassion. For example, let's suppose that a feeling comes up with you, uh, some anxious feeling about saying something, that you, you're a fear that if I say this, that Irene's going to be upset.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure that's never happened in your life.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm sensing something is afraid that Irene's going to be upset. I'm going to acknowledge that and say hello to it. That's a feeling I felt before, and I can be with it with compassion. I can be with it with compassion and say, um, "Well, no wonder it's it's anxious because from my past I've had that experience before." Yeah. No wonder. No wonder. I, I saw my I saw my dad struggle with that. No wonder I struggle with that. Yeah. That phrase "no wonder" suddenly, suddenly is a compassionate self statement. The more we can be empathetic, empathic about our own inner experiences, yeah, and ha- and have humility. By humility, I mean not imposing expectations like I shouldn't ever feel
0: this way. <laughs> right. If I can be present with it, with self
1: compassion and humility. It dissolves. Mm. More often not, it will dissolve.
0: Yeah.
1: Can I take that discussion one more step? Yeah, sure. There's another, another little tool. Have you ever had an inner critic? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they show up regularly, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are other names for that I will use on the podcast, but yeah. I have friends who use other names for those. Yeah. Um, interesting thing, when we use the phrase inner critic, that's a negative term. Mm. And we feel attacked. And we feel put down. Yeah. Uh, in church circles, we often say, I'm under attack. You
0: know, the <laughs> oh. Or whatever. oh, well, yeah.
1: What if what if we changed the terminology and thought about that that sense of that inner critic not as a critic but as a protector? Oh yeah a protector that's worried about something for us.
0: Oh wow, my goodness.
1: I, I will you, you haven't had your adopted son for long, <clears throat> so it may not have happened yet, but sooner or later, He's gonna want to do something that you don't feel comfortable in doing, yeah, <laughs> and very likely he's gonna look at you as a critic,, mm. and all the time you're really trying to protect it,
0: yeah, wow, that's so good, Paul well i the something you said there i I never put it this way before of, of having empathy for yourself. Yeah. Um, Cause we, because so much of our lives, we experience our lives, um, you know, like outsiders because we don't, um, because we're not really present, you know, our, our, our defense mechanisms are. Right. And man, that's so good. And that word compassion, because so many times um, I, I'm sure Maybe this is for everybody, but I know for people that grew up in religious environments, there's such an emphasis, you know, even said, even though Jesus said not to, there's so such an emphasis on judging, and not just judging others, but judging myself, and I shouldn't feel that way, and and I I shouldn't think that. But man, that that empathy and compassion, because what I've found is that when I can, when I can let go of that judgmental attitude towards myself and have compassion for myself and say, well, of course, um, or like you said, no, no wonder I struggled with that or no wonder I thought that, um, then, then I can actually start to move out to others and say, well, no wonder my dad did that. This is what he went through. Um, this is what he was struggling with. No, no wonder my wife acts this way. When I say this, because this is what she went through. Right.
1: And so um, it may be an occasion where your wife uh, reacts to something and you could react back or with the ability to pause a little bit. Yeah. You might be able to say, well, no wonder she's reacting that way.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: The ability to be with your feelings rather than engulfed in them gives you the ability to not react but to respond
0: yeah yeah let's let's talk about that a little more because um um you know for for people who um maybe they haven't explored these topics very much and they haven't been honest about what they're struggling with it this could almost sound selfish you know what i mean when when okay. you don't understand it and, and it because um, it sounds like well you're just talking about what you went through or you're you know playing the victim or whatever but can can you talk a little bit more about like the this this is actually the road you take to actually be able to love others um, genuinely.
1: Well, it, it the the phrase I am sensing that's a, that's a short little phrase those three little words when you say that. And you say it honestly, not just repeat the words. But just yeah. when you have that feeling, I am really sensing you are present. You're present with everything that's going on. Yeah. When you are present here, here and now, you're not in the past. You're not in the future. You're present. You're less judgmental about things. Mm, yeah. You have perspective, and when you can say. I am sensing something in me. It's not me. Mm. It's something in me feels X, Y, or Z. Yeah. I can be, I can be with it in a compassionate way. All, the, none of our feelings are good or bad. Mm. Our feelings, the, the, we we judge them as good or bad because of past experiences and the story we put on it. Yeah. The feeling is just feedback to say something's going on. It's like when you stub your toe, you don't hope you don't curse your toe. (laughs) (laughs) It hurts. And it's telling you, don't do that again.
0: Yeah. When you have a headache, it's telling you something. When, when you have a a
1: feeling, it's telling you something. I mean, um, we we do this. We do this conversation piece. I, I think a lot of people do that. Maybe not everybody does it, but it sounds like this. Well, the other day I, I was thinking about this problem and part of me was saying, I think this is the answer. And then I thought about it. And another part of me thought, no, that's not my answer at all. Mm. And then another part of me said, well, that's really stupid. <laughs> And another part of me said, let's go get an ice cream cone. You'll feel better. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we have these inner dialogues all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: But we're not aware of them because we're caught up in them. Yeah. When I can shift to, I'm sensing something in me is feeling like this is a good solution and something else feels like, oh, that's really stupid. And something else feels this. I can be with all those and allow them to have whatever messages they want to send me, and I can begin to find wisdom. Mm. Mm. In this, in the in the Christian our Christian background, we read Paul talking about being in Christ and Christ in us. Yeah. So that's a very embodied kind of metaphor. Paul even uses the body parts as a way to talk about the body of Christ. Yeah. The Gospel of John uh, uses the vine and the branch. That's a very intimate, embodied presence. Hmm. In fact, fact, at one point, Jesus says to the disciples, uh, Father's in me, I'm in the Father, and we're in you. Yeah. That's a very embodied metaphor. Yeah but we don't turn in toward our body to be present with the mind of Christ that's in us.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: And that takes some stillness. I believe Jesus says, my disciples will know my voice. Yeah. That's an inner experience. But what we try to do, if I'm feeling really angry, and I don't like that, I shouldn't feel that way. And so instead of being with it, I will try to analyze it. Well, I know why I'm angry because this happened and that happened. And, and I try to analyze
0: logically an emotion. Yeah.
1: That's uh, not going to work very well. <laughs> yeah. You can bury it, you can submerge it, but then you're just creating shadows. Being mm. with it, being compassionate with it.
0: Letting it communicate what it's trying to help me learn. Yeah.
1: Is is the is the path toward healing. Hmm. No, it isn't. And, and finding safe people to do that with. Yeah. To, going back to the three rules: don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. The way forward is breaking those rules. Yeah. And yeah, ha- and, and breaking them in an environment where you're not, re- where the rules are not reinforced. So yeah. having some safe people where you can talk about real things and express real feelings and trust someone, which is which is kind of like the essence of spiritual direction or, or counseling.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Or a twelve-step meeting, or you know, a healthy support group. Because there's a, there's a feeling of the shame. The fear of shame is if I if you really know me, I'm going to die.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and the only way to dispel that is to do it and not die.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, really? Yeah. Um, and that's why it's incredibly important for spiritual communities to be healthy places. Mm. Because otherwise they wind up and, and, Pastors don't intend to shame. church members don't intend to shame. Yeah, for sure. And yet, interesting ways we do shame. Um, I was with a group of pastors some years ago, and we're talking about this stuff. And they were all, "We don't, we don't shame anybody. We don't shame anybody." And so I asked them. I said, uh, "Do you have a volunteer Sunday in your church?" I said, "Oh yeah, sure." Yeah. I said, "Well, do you have do you uh, have have a way to honor all the volunteers. Yeah. Do you have them? Do you have them come forward up to the front and pray with all of them? Oh yes. Yeah. Mm. I said, I wonder what it feels like sitting back in the pew. Mm. Because it's like, oh, I didn't volunteer. Like it's like I'm I'm back here by myself, and all these other people are doing this. I don't think I'll come next year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. mean, who wants to be singled out? Yeah. So it it's not intentional, but more shame sensitive we are, the more we can see it where it may not even the intent the intent and the impact is not the same thing. Right. I can have an intent that's healthy, but the impact on somebody can be devastating and hard. I can't control all that. Yeah. But I can I can know my intent
0: yeah Mm -hmm. man when you talked about um (laughs) i mean it it's so true like you feel like if people know you you're, you're gonna die and there's yeah there's been times where you know i i haven't i haven't felt good about something or i've been yeah. bitter or angry and and irene you know she's not gonna let me stay that way and so she right. she asked me what's wrong and i'll i will literally be shaking as i'm telling it to her right um yeah
1: yeah enough shame can put us into a fetal position
0: Mm, yeah
1: uh what i mentioned about the baby bending over eyes down <laughs> that's that's a, that's a fetal position just bending over, hiding eyes. Mm. I'm sure we've all had a situation where we felt embarrassed and we just like to drop through a hole in the carpet and disappear for a little bit. You know, yeah. just, oh, like, yeah. Uh. Yeah. And just like, I And I, um, I link intense shame uh, to the uh, experience of suicide. Mm. Uh, suicide is sometimes looked at as losing control. But in a real sense, it's kind of the ultimate control. Yeah. Suicide doesn't change any factors. Reality is reality. Yeah. But I won't be here to have to see it or experience it. Hmm. Um, um, One of the stories I tell some years ago, now, quite a few years ago now, there was a, uh, a um, officer in the Pentagon uh, who wore a Vietnam uh, service medal. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of reporters, and just doing the research, figured out that he wasn't actually serving in Vietnam, but mm-hmm. he wore all that medal. Uh-huh. And so they called him for an interview, and they came, and uh, he knew what the interview was about. And they were sitting in the outside office, and he killed himself in his office.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, it didn't change one factor that he had, he had been a poser all those years. Yeah. But I
1: won't be here to be seen and be humiliated. Yeah. Mm. That's a tragic, tragic, tragic situation. Yeah. And, you know, and then the shame piece is obviously a direct link to a lot of the violence we see in schools.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, You go behind the story of the violent kids and there's a lot of shaming, uh, embarrassment, humiliation, abuse. Um, You you look at sports these days. The the violence uh, of adults. Oh, yeah. The pressure they put on kids trying to live vicarity to their kids. And when their kids don't perform... Their shame comes out, and it goes into rage.
0: Mm. Mm. So it's a pervasive experience,
1: and and you know I talked about scripture, but there's many more many more places in scripture where shame is the theme, um, where the word isn't used. The, the prodigal son story is is probably the most obvious one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's all all kinds of shame in there. The interesting thing about the story is the father was never ashamed of the boys Mm. and the father's mind never changed about the worth of the boys. Yeah. It was the boys stories about the father. Yeah. That had to change. Mm. Wow.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. Powerful.
1: Oh wait. Uh, there's another other verse. Um, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Did you ever preach a sermon on the Sermon on the Mount? Uh huh. Yeah, but blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see the kingdom of God. Mm hmm. What if that peacemaking is not about external peacemaking with other people, but it's also about making peace with yourself? Because as long as I'm caught up in my woundedness, I'm not seeing, I'm not experiencing the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. Present
1: here and now.
0: Right. And you're not experiencing others either.
1: Exactly. When I can be self in presence, I'm sensing something in me is these these places. I can begin to see God at work in all these things.
0: Hmm. When I think about if um, I, I hope I'm saying this right if i remember right um that the word namaste when people use that to greet each other if i remember right it means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you exactly and um and but but you can't you can't do that unless you recognize it in yourself first
1: exactly exactly a fascinating thing that uh someone pointed out to me recently uh, if you take a uh, um, a children's group, or uh, teens, or adults in the in the West, and you say to them, uh, "Where is God?" Almost all of them will point up in the air. Yeah. If you go to the East, and you say to a Hindu child, "Where is God?" They'll point in their heart. Oh yeah. We have a separation
0: theology. Yep. Of God out there, waiting for me to be good enough mm. to get to be acceptable. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I tell a story these days, uh, kind of a joke. Uh, I'll share it with you if you're open to that.
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: It's one of those. Um, it, it, it ties into this point, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of those a man dies goes to heaven stories. Yeah. Meets Peter, Peter the the gates. Yeah. And so this guy walks up, Peter's checking his checklist, and he finds his name. He says, "Okay, yeah, I got your name here. How many points do you have?" Hmm. The guy said, "I got to have points." Peter says, "Yeah, you got to have a hundred points." He said, "Well, I was a pastor for twenty five years." And Peter says, "Well, I'll give you one point for that." One point. He said, "Well, we fed the hungry for twenty-five years." Peter says, "I will give you two points for that." <laughs> He's thinking, "How do you get a hundred points?" <laughs> About that time, another guy walked up, and he knew him back on Earth. He was a nice guy, but he was all that churchy.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and he walked up, and Peter said, "Hey, I recognize you. Go on in; they're waiting for you." <laughs> and the guy said, "How in the world did he get a hundred points?" And Peter said, "Oh, he's not playing that game."
0: <laughs> oh wow!
1: The stories we tell ourselves, yeah, about God, may have nothing to do with
0: God. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about one of those stories because I I know you've talked about this, and and you were actually one that kind of um, helped me work through this myself. That this whole idea that. Um, well, Jesus came and came to Earth and went to the cross so that He could save you from the Father. And
1: yeah, that was, that was the gospel I grew up
0: with. Oh yeah, 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 me too. And um, and so it doesn't, you know, you you still end up feeling like crap about yourself. <laughs>
1: right, right. Now, now, so my friends grew up with this version of that, except their version was that Jesus stood between. Me and God. Yeah. And my job was to hide behind Jesus because God could not stand to look at me. Yeah. Mm. That was another version of that whole theology. Mm. um, (laughs) Yeah. We we like we like uh, versions of the gospel where we get to choose something. Mm-hmm. Where God doesn't make the choice totally. It's like if I don't get to be good enough to get in, then I feel I've, I've I feel like I've gotten something for nothing. Yeah. And I want to earn my way in. That's, that's a that's an experience of shame is sometimes a feeling of being unequal. Right. And so if the gospel is that God's decided and I can accept the acceptance so it's not about me, and then it's like, well, I didn't do anything except the acceptance. and Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, a, a phrase, a place I go to these days to uh, emphasize <clears throat> the grace of God, it's always been funny to me how we're we're so quick to say that uh, in Adam all sinned, and then all only applies negative. Right. (laughs) Uh, The alls for Christ don't apply. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Colossians, the first chapter, has this uh, amazing description of grace and the character of God. And I'll simply read it. Um, Colossians 1, beginning at first, verse 15. Well, actually, 13. He, God, has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have, not going to have, we have redemption. Yeah. The forgiveness of sins. Those are present tense verbs. Mm. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. All And for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, powers. All things have been created through him, for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Mm -hmm. In verse nineteen, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or heaven. I'm making peace through the blood of His cross, there's the word "all." There is moved, used about I don't know ten times. Yeah, <clears throat> and we and we're taught to read over that, and it doesn't mean all. It just means all. It doesn't mean all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I I have a very I think Jesus Jesus centered image of God these days.
0: Well, and it it you know talking about that that joke of not playing that game um, yeah. the gospel for so many people is that there's there's something wrong with me, and I need to fix it <laughs> and
1: yes,
0: but the truth is there there's nothing wrong with you right. and you yeah. you were created good and and you still are good the
1: the story of the prodigal son is a shame story prodigal son left home he's he's done the most uh, dastardly awful shameful thing any Jewish parent could ever imagine He comes home with a a, a made up story um, uh, begging to this be a, a servant yeah he knows he's not acceptable and the father doesn't pay any attention to it
0: yeah oh yeah
1: the the interesting thing is I think human nature would say that the boy had a hard time with the father's acceptance. It was too generous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to talk God out of grace. (laughs) Yeah. The, The idea of just accepting the acceptance
1: we have... And responding to it in love and being loved seems way too generous. Yeah. It's like the uh, it's like the servants who are hired at the end of the day get the same pay as the ones who are hired all day long. It's like that's not fair. There's that word should again. Yeah. It shouldn't be that gracious. It shouldn't be that easy.
0: It should be harder. Yeah. That's the story of the elder brother. Hmm. Yeah.
1: The son shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have accepted him back because I've been working out hard in the fields because I know you're a hard taskmaster. Yeah. But that's the story that the elder brother put on the father. Hmm. And by the way, I think the part of the amazing story is that the father didn't tell the elder brother, go away. Right. He simply said, when you want to come in, come in. Yeah. And he, like a lot of us, made his own experience of hell by the story he put on himself and the father. Yeah. Outside the party, smelling a barbecue.
0: Hmm. And every, everything I have is yours and you're always with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I do think there's a funny line there. I mean, um, the elder brother says, we, you've killed a fatted calf, you, you've killed the fatted calf, and um, you wouldn't even kill an old goat for me and my friends. Mm. And I know this is not written in Scripture, but I have a feeling the Father said it. I think the Father said, oh, by the way, that fatted calf, that was yours because I I divided everything. Sorry about that. <laughs> And and I prefer not to use the word lost in that story. Mm -hmm. The Greek word word there can also mean missing. Oh, yeah. The boy was in before he was out.
0: Yeah, right. And,
1: And almost all the parables, if you look at the parables closely, the stories are about people or things that are in before they're out. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost boy. Yeah. They're missing. Yeah. Mm. When we use the word lost, it is so tempting to say, well they're lost, I'm found.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Or I'm I'm lost there. It's like it's like it's like dualism. Yeah. Either or black or white. It's not it's not a non dual experience.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, if if I can ask you about um, kind of your journey, because I know for me, you know, because I've I've just known you since 2008, I I've just always experienced you as someone who um, just felt so free to be who they were, and um, their their actions um, came out of that. It didn't come out of compulsion or should it just came out of a freedom of being who they were. Um and and yet you've talked about before and you, you talked a little bit today about how that, that wasn't always the case for you and you you um at times just felt so much pressure to to work hard and to earn something and to be you know the hero for other people. So how how um what did that journey look like for you to work through that?
1: Well, I I, um, I had several crashes of birds. <laughs> mm. I told you about the one um, in about 1979, 78. Uh, I had another one a little later than that. Um, so I, I, have, um, I have had times where I've been more free than others. Yeah. Um, but um, I've had a, the good fortune of having a very... Uh, smart and uh, 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 confronting wife who takes takes little B.S. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And I know you have one, too. Yep. And um, she really uh, helped me see, uh, not so much directly, but just um, being with her has helped me to see, uh, um, experience compassion for myself
0: yeah and 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 uh,
1: and to see the family dynamics that i didn't see mm. um, and um, then uh working with people in the twenty one years we've done breakthrough I I, you know, I, I I can't imagine a story i haven't heard um, being with people in their pain um, has really helped me see my own stuff
0: mm yeah um I continue to learn and and work,
1: uh, on my journey. I, I went through a, a lot, a lot of people use the word deconstruction, um, probably 15 years ago or so. Mm. I, I, a deconstruction of my uh, image of God that was really, uh, still, <laughs> I never had trouble with Jesus, but I always had trouble with the anger of God, wrath of God, all that stuff I grew up with. Yeah. And, um, just began reading and looking outside the box and becoming more open to that. And, uh, and there's actually a passage of Scripture that, that's really been fundamental to me. It's one of those—it's it's a verse that people read over. I read over it for a long time and had no idea about what it meant. Yeah. Um, it's in Matthew 11, uh, 27, uh, where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, um, No one knows the Son except the Father, which makes sense. And no one knows and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom he reveals him.
0: Mm. Well well that's a big statement. Yeah. No one knows
1: no one knows the Father except the Son. Mm. I think what Jesus is implying there is that what we have heard about God up to this point may be an accurate human understanding of god mm-hmm. but it may not be an accurate understanding of god yeah it's it's a it's a faithful portrayal of what we understood but it may not be accurate yeah because jesus goes on to say you've seen me you've seen the father yeah and um there's a lot of difference between jesus and the father by in my, in my old
0: image yeah
1: the interesting thing is that in the in the in the Greek, you know that there's very little punctuation in the Greek in Greek original text. Right. In English, we put a paragraph break almost consistently between verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight. And when you when you put a paragraph break in English, you're you're saying um, there's a change of subtopic. Right. But if you don't put that paragraph break there you could read that as though jesus is going on and and revealing his father i'll read it here uh, all things have been handled to me by my father no one knows the son except the father no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him come to me all you who are weary and are carrying a heavy burden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and humble in spirit and you will find rest for your souls for mm. my yoke is easy and my burden is light hmm. I think Jesus is talking about the character of his father right yeah. there yeah. That's, a bit, that's a very different image than, than the Old Testament image of smiting and aching in the camp and all the yeah. <laughs> all the cruel stories that uh, yeah. are, are portrayed in the Old Testament yeah Huh. So, um, I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little vignette that I've just worked through recently. Um, I, I have always had a. I, I've had a. Um, a feeling of over responsibility. Hmm. I haven't called it. I haven't called it over responsible. I call it being responsible. <laughs> yeah. And it, I realize it goes back to seven years old. And um, my father and mother were 40 and 50 when I was born. And um, I had a 17-year-old sister. My other brother and sisters <laughs> were all teenagers. Hmm. And my 17-year-old sister became my surrogate mother. She She's the one that made life fun for me. Yeah. My mother was 40. She was tired. She was working. Yeah. And when I was seven my sister suddenly developed cancer and died. And mm. at an emotional level, it's like my mother died. Yeah. And, of course, they spiritualized it. You know, God needed her more than I did. Yeah. And I, I knew at seven years old that my mother was so fragile that she could not handle me grieving the way I wanted to grieve. Wow. And I felt responsible to put on a front, to be the big boy. Yeah. And I had heard a lot of sermons about praying and miracles, raising people from the dead. At seven years old, I was praying, praying feverishly that they would raise them. my my, mother, my 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 sister would be raised from the dead. Yeah. Well, obviously that, that didn't happen and I remember looking around at all these people and I, I I couldn't say what I wanted to say yeah and it uh, wasn't long ago uh, through a process that i I'm, I'm teaching people these days called days mm-hmm. called focusing is I got back to that 7 year old boy and I helped him stand up on his chair in that funeral parlor mm. where all these pious words were being said and I let him scream out BS mmm Because that's how I felt. Yeah. But, I, I, but that was stopped. That was a stopped process for me. Wow. And so it has really helped me to go to another level of saying, okay, <clears throat> I, I I am responsible, but I'm not over responsible. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to take on the results of things anymore. Yeah. And so it's been a healing process at, at, at various steps, and uh, I'm very thankful for that.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> hmm.
1: I tell people that I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't know what it is about that verse that you mentioned of. Um, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Because I, I totally overlooked that verse, too. And then when you pointed out to me, it was like a little mind bomb went off. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, a, it's, a, I mean, it's, it's really dramatic. I, I think Jesus is saying, you know, what Moses knew, Moses knew, but he didn't know the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. What the prophets knew, the prophets knew. But they can only speak within the paradigm that they understood. At yeah. the whatever level of conscious awareness they had, that's all they can speak. Mm. And it may be an accurate representation of what they experience, but it may not be the full revelation of the Father. I'm the full revelation of the Father. Right. So for me, you read all the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't read Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament.
0: Right. Yeah. So what, what would you say... For you now, um, what what does following Jesus mean to you now?
1: I I see Jesus as a wisdom teacher, not a not a not a moral uh, policeman. Mm. Uh, I see Jesus as uh, the front edge of a emerging conscious awareness. Of the universal Christ, hmm. that Christ is in everything If everything is held together
0: and sustained by in Christ, then right. Christ is in everything. Not everything. I'm not a pantheist, but I'm a panentheist. Yeah,
1: there's nothing apart from the Father, Son, and Spirit. Yeah, everything is is within. All the creation is equivalent to that. So for me it is about reading Jesus as a wisdom teacher rather than as finding um ways to for the rights and law. Now there are big moral rights and laws, but I believe Jesus, I believe the mind of Christ is in us to
0: explore and find. Yeah. We're
1: we're not the word is Jesus, not the Bible.
0: Yeah. The Bible's
1: not the fourth member of the Trinity kind of thing. Yeah. So for me, following Jesus, here's what, I, here's what I tell people these days. I'm not really wanting to know what your theology is. I want to know what are your practices, and are those practices making you more loving and compassionate toward yourself and others? Mm, wow. If, the, if those practices are not making you more loving and compassionate toward yourself and others, I don't care what your theology is.
0: Yeah. So what would you say to someone who is struggling to believe they are loved or is um, just struggling to work through some shame that they have?
1: It's a very challenging thing. Um, Shame is very resistant to grace. Yeah. Uh, When I was a pastor and people would come to me, even after I understood shame, I could value them and I could encourage them but it was like when they left the room the shame would whisper yeah but he's a pastor he's not going to tell you the truth yeah and when I was a counselor and they were paying me it was like shame was saying well yeah but you just paid for that That, if he knew (laughs) if he really knew the truth he wouldn't say that he just wants you back next week so shame shame is very highly resistant to grace yeah, finding finding people who are gracious, finding people mm-hmm. who uh, just let you tell their, their your story and not die. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> um, that's why that's why twelve step groups are so successful. Yeah, twelve um, step groups when they're healthy allow you to tell your worst shame, and everybody thanks you for being there and says, mm, come back. Yeah. We love you. There's no, You don't go to a 12-step group because everything's great in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, In fact, years ago I had a pastor who came uh, when I was uh, at a church and wanted to know about some of the stuff I was doing, and I suggested to him to go back to uh, his town and go to an open 12-step group or a codependency group or um, some kind of support group like that yeah and um, he called me uh, he called me a little later and said uh he was in tears he said he said I went to a twelve step group open group, I sat there in a circle. I didn't know, but the guy next to me was the leader, and he started talking and sharing his story yeah and i was he said I was sweating bullets because I thought he's gonna go to my side next, <laughs> and i I'd be exposed oh wow but he he said he went the other way. And I heard story after story after story. And he said, Paul, he said, halfway around, I was praying, God, can I be an alcoholic? Because this is the most grace I've ever experienced in my life.
0: Oh, wow. So finding a
1: support group, finding a 12-step group that's gracious, can be real helpful. Finding a therapist who works with uh, addictions. Mm. Uh, Therapists are not necessarily... in tune with shame unless they have an addiction experience Uh in fact i told paul young off of the shack i said paul you were very very blessed your first counselor was an addiction counselor who understood shame
0: yeah because i i talked to my wife
1: and she's she's got a master's in counseling i said how many courses did you have in shame how many?" she said none it wasn't even mentioned wow so counselors don't necessarily these days maybe a little more than those days, but yeah. counselors don't necessarily finding a finding a community as a faith community <clears throat> where people are real and they can tell their stories about their failures, not just their successes.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, for you know, you, you talked about how shame is. You know, we, we get shame from experience, so we have to heal it through experience. And um,
1: breaking those rules. Yeah. When I when I when I'm in a place where I say I I'm at the edge, I feel like it's impossible for me to say this, but I tell a little bit of it, and I watch and I get back grace. Mm. Okay, I didn't die. Now I can tell <laughs> yeah. them more and I don't yeah. die. I can say how I'm feeling and I'm not criticized for that feeling. Mm. Little step at a time, every time I do that, little piece of shame dies. Little piece of shame dies. Little piece of shame dies.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember the um the first time I just had this time of I, I don't even know if I would call it confession. I mean it it was kind of confession, but it was just kind of me just verbally vomiting to my spiritual director. And I yeah. I got I got to the the church and I I pulled up and I parked and I contemplated leaving and, <laughs> and never seeing him again but I I went in and and it was you know so hard to get that first thing out but then when I got that first thing out and I saw that in his eyes he still cared about me then I yes. I couldn't stop talking. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, exactly that 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 empathetic uh, empathic person who uh, is non-judgmental who models to us how to be empathic and non-judgmental with our own stuff yeah because if they are if they're empathic and non-judgmental, but I walk out continuing to be judgmental about myself, mm. then I'm not going to have quite the same experience
0: yeah Hmm. Yeah, and, um, for those that are that are listening, that's that's such good words of, of finding some person or some group that you can do that with. But if you um, are in the Kansas City or Arkansas area or can get there, um, I just I can't say enough about the breakthrough seminar and and everything that Heart Connection does. There's just so much healing through that.
1: And I, I do work with individuals uh, by uh, Zoom or or internet an or. Uh, various ways, uh, so they can contact me at uh, uh, Doctor Paul Doctor Paul at Heart Connection at H E A R T C O N N E X I O N dot org,
0: mm, okay. or uh,
1: uh, they can find me on Facebook, Doctor Paul Fitzgerald. Um, happy to be of any help I can be.
0: That's great, Paul. Well, as I said before, I am just so thankful for you and Susanna, Susanna, for so many different reasons. And just, um, thank you so much for taking this time with me.
1: Absolutely. It's always a delight. light huh. uh, I'll keep watching from afar and cheering you on.
0: Oh, uh, Thank you. Wow. What a great conversation with, um, with Paul. I just, I love that guy so much. As I've said, he's been such a huge part of our lives and, um, I hope you can see why we, we we love him so much. He just has um, such great insight into these dynamics we've been talking about, but he's just such a loving person. And as I said, he is just such a genuine um, person who just is himself. He's genuine to who he is. And that was one of the things that, that drew me um, to him and his wife, Susanna, is that they just seem so free to be themselves. And I just something in me grab grabbed onto that and said, I want that. Um, and I, I hope you, I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. Um, I love that whole concept that he talked about, um, about those, those three rules of dysfunctional families or dysfunctional environments and about how healing from shame is about breaking those rules in healthy and safe environments, whether that be in a healthy spiritual environment, with a friend, a therapist, a spiritual director, whatever that looks like, breaking those rules, talking about the things that we haven't been able to talk about, sharing the feelings we haven't been, been able to share, and finding people that we can trust with all of that. Such good stuff, and I would just encourage you um, to find those um, opportunities in your life to do that. <clears throat> like I said, whether it be a healthy spiritual environment, whatever that looks like. Um, and as Paul said, um, you know, he, um, makes himself available for that. And also if you are at all available to check out heart connection ministries and the breakthrough seminar, just such, such a beneficial thing. I know it did wonders, um, uh, in our lives, just so grateful for all of that. Um, yeah, if you need to reach out to somebody, find somebody in your life, or you can um, message me, or as Dr. Paul said, he's available. But find ways to break free of that shame and, and the power that, that trauma might have in your life. Thanks so much for tuning into to this um, episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got something from it. And as always, nothing in the world can separate you from the love of Christ. You are in Him, and He is in you. Take care.